Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. It's Kylie Davis here, and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. I passionately believe we need to create and grow a sense of community between the innovators and real estate agents, and sharing our stories is a great way to do that. Now, the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a PropTech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible and explore the issues and challenges raised by the tech and how they can create amazing property experiences. And my guest in this episode is the fabulous Tara Christensen, digital strategist at realestate.com.au and a self-confessed nerd girl when it comes to real estate, content and digital marketing. Natara helps real estate agents understand and navigate digital marketing. She's also a longtime Inman ambassador, and she's a fantastic uh, presenter if you've ever seen her on stage. Now, after the conversation with Damien Merchant from Spoke last week, I wanted to get Tara on the show to continue with the theme of digital marketing in real estate. In this discussion, we unpack further, how do you actually do this digital marketing thing? And we add some more meat to the bones of understanding how all the different elements of digital marketing work together. Now, it's a topic that Tara and I could and have been known to talk about for hours together, often with wine involved. But in the interest of public safety, we've kept this one shorter. (laughs) Now, Tara, at the PropTech podcast, we always ask our guests to start with their elevator pitch. Now, I know you're not a prop tech as such, but as an intro, what's your elevator pitch? Bust it out. What's my elevator pitch? Oh, it's probably... My name is Tara Christensen. I'm digital strategist at realestate.com.au. And in that role, I introduce real estate professionals and businesses to the branding opportunities in both paid and unpaid spaces in the online world, helping them understand which audiences are where, most effective kind of content to use, identify new and future technologies that can help them increase online profiles and create lead generation, which should be part and parcel of every business's digital strategy. Uh, As a nerd, I use my background as a real estate agent in the United States and experience as a consultant for different agencies and agents in all sorts of countries, and my innate desire for searching out solutions to problems with um, my relationships and familiarity with the real estate business in general to best identify what will and won't work for your business. So with that in mind, how well do you and your real estate business really understand the marketing and branding opportunities of the online world? If you can't answer that question or you're afraid of the answer, we should talk. That was extremely thorough and very awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So Tara, tell me what's your what's your your role at REA and and what do you what do you do? Uh, so I've just transitioned into being the digital a digital strategist within um, realestate.com.au, and what that really means is that that allows me now to expand beyond the residential um, side of things and and explore more of the commercial and developer side of things as well. So those lines of business, and within that, I'm basically kind of melding marketing with sales, and so it's really especially um, exploring that digital landscape more, digital strategies within that uh, landscape, and how it applies basically to our customers and ensuring that they feel supported and that they understand basically how best to brand themselves and get themselves out there in in that online space. Awesome. So so look, realestate.com.au is one of the first prop techs here in Australia, like um, what, 15, almost 20 years ago now. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 85, 87, something like that. And it signaled the start of innovation in real estate. So how has the digital landscape changed since then? (laughs) just summarize that in less than 50 words in the next few minutes (laughs) (laughs) do you want that in one sentence or two um um, i i think it's really been an interesting progression basically of of uh people understanding or companies understanding that online space and and the opportunities that that online space offers um from just profiling perspectives and then into content creation the search Um, capabilities when it comes to that selling of products in that online space, gaining a wider audience, and then of course the advertising side of things. So even from, you know, gaining blog audiences and, and really understanding those people all the way to then, well, 
wait, there's actually metrics that are behind that as well. That's mm. going to tell us more about those audiences and that data that's there as well. And, you know, okay, well, what can we do with all of that? Um, and it really is a marketer's dream, isn't it? That online world, if, um, you know, especially when you don't have privacy laws that prevent you from, <laughs> from gaining access to all this information, you know, of course, unfortunately, the countries have cracked down since then, but um but, you know, you really get this richer um, idea that, you know, a lot of times people were either throwing darts at dartboards and hoping that it connected or, you know, calling or going door to door to try to understand people better and try to really gain that perspective better. And now they just sit at computers and, and have other computers basically tell them <laughs> what, yeah. what that is. And it's been a really fascinating progression in that space. Um, and I think it's really from an individual perspective as well as from a company perspective, I think it's really shown us the importance of very good content, a very personalized and tailored content to be able to cut through that increasing noise that's in that online space, but then also understanding that data that's being given to us and understanding what to do with that next, because that truly I think is the currency right now of the online world. And, um, and if you don't know what to do with it, you're basically just throwing money out of the window. Yeah, because we've seen a real progression, haven't we? So, you know, 15, 20 years ago, everyone was advertising in print. Um, REA and, and Domain started up and basically created the advertising market online. And so we kept paying for to, to reach the audience through online. The metrics started to build up and then but we realised that we're still wanting that passive audience that print was able to get. And that's when the sort of blogs and, um, you know, not necessarily paid but earned audience started to come into it. And now we're having the whole conversation around, you know, data and and intent and, and understanding that from a marketing point of view. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's just, and, and I think it's just a, it's a really interesting kind of progression, but at the same time, I almost sometimes feel like we're going in circles. Um, it's just that, you know, as those circles continue, certain things get thrown out. So, you know, print becomes less. And um, But it's interesting because, you know, you would say that radio advertising has gone down, but has it necessarily if we have more people or more consumers that are stuck in cars again, or when, you know, we're talking about even um, self, you know, the, the, the um, uh, like electric cars and, and, and the unmanned cars, those kinds of things. Well, then what are people going to do with their spare time, right? If they're not actively thinking and focusing on driving and they've just become passive consumers again, they've just become passive people. What, how are you going to capture that area in marketing? So is it going to be then through something that's an audio experience, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a radio commercial or whatever, or is it going to be on that online space because people's people are, uh, you know, using one screen or two screens or even three screens while they're sitting there, you know, that, that's you at a conference. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so, I mean, you think about all of those things and you go, wow, you know, there's just a lot that's out there. Um, and, and I think two people get mistaken when they think about that online experience from, I think they, they don't fully understand all the times their audience journey. And I don't think they fully understand exactly how each part of that funnel basically works, whether it's just that specific capturing and gaining that interest and gaining their attention and how many times that things need to get repeated as they move down into that lead generation funnel and, and start to be there. And then once you've captured them, that nurturing aspect that's there too, and, and that especially comes into play in real estate, is um, oftentimes they're very good at the leads, but not so good at the nurture. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. So look, REA is always focused on listings, but that's not the only things that agents need to do now to market themselves. And and we've kind of already covered a whole gamut of things that they should be doing. But how does it all fit together? Like if we maybe start off at the listings because it, listings is what everyone's familiar and comfortable with, build us up through the, like build us from the bottom up to the top of the funnel. Well, I mean, listings are fine, but, you know, Listings is a very specific product, isn't it? I mean, and, mm. and and so really it's going to be tailored to a specific buyer set that's there at the at, through it. But within that, that house sits in a specific neighborhood. 
And sometimes that house is not exactly what people are looking for. So instead, they're going to be looking within a neighborhood section instead to find what are the other choices that might be the possibilities within that. Um, and they're trying to understand because you don't just buy a house and go, oop, here, I'm here. They buy into communities. So, you know, you buy into a community that's there instead. So, you know, that's the extra level that's on top of that. So people are looking at suburbs and looking outside of suburbs. And it's interesting because if you look at some of the statistics that are out there, you know, first time home buyers often look at, you know, satellite suburbs trying to get a better understanding of, you know, those areas and trying to understand, is this really, really where we want to be? Are we really certain about this? Versus experienced buyers who are going to be a little bit more specific about, nope, we are just looking here and we're just looking here. And these are the only parameters that we have. So then you've kind of got to understand the segmentation basically of the audience that's there. Um, and then you build it up, right? And well, then, you know, obviously here is different than in the States with buyer agents versus not buyer agents, but um, even just trying to understand as a vendor. So if you are going to be selling your home in those areas, then you're not just going to be looking at, you know, well, let's look at the past sales and those metrics that are there. I mean, that's important, but you're also going to be looking not just at quantitative, but at qualitative stuff as well. So you're going to be looking at reviews and what it's like to work with this person. And, you know, depending on what your needs are as a specific seller, you're going to be looking to see, was it price? Is it, can they sell very quickly? Is it going to be a commission thing? Is it going to be friendliness? Are you just looking for somebody who just seems to be a good person at the end of the day, um, easy to work with, those kinds of things. Somebody who maybe who's a great negotiator because you're worried maybe about a pest inspection or a building inspection. You're going to be looking at those kinds of things. You're going to be looking or listening to other people telling you about what it's like to work with that person. That's where that review side comes in. That's why REA changed um, uh, and is continuing to make some changes to its search um, just in general is because it's not going to be based just off of uh, that uh, quantitative, the, you know, number of sales and that sort of stuff in an area, but also number of reviews and the ratings of that agent within that, because we realize that people are looking at that specifically as well um, and trying to understand more about that agent as a person. And sometimes it's just also an agency then too, right? It's the agency profiling, the agency branding, and that fits into the developer world and the commercial world as well, to some extent, but it's less people, you know, specific agent oriented necessarily, and a little bit more about the brand itself. Are they environmentally friendly? Do they, you know, do they have great quality control when it comes to these kinds of things? There's a whole number of uh, different aspects that they may be focused on when it comes to making those choices and making specific choices. And that's when you're starting to get to that higher level stuff up the funnel where people are just trying to get some better understanding and just some idea in general of what is it, you know, who is it that, where is it that I even want to be? Why is it that I want to be there? And then once I figure that out, who is it that I really want to work with or try to work with when I'm there, when you're a buyer, it's a little bit less easy because of choices, obviously, but when you're a seller, especially that's when you're going to be starting to make a lot of those decisions. Mm. And so typically Typically, real estate marketing is just focused on that bottom end of the funnel. How do you see it, like from listings going up, how do you, what are the kind of different channels or elements that you would be layering onto what you're doing? Things, you know, specifically, but then there's reviews, there's community information um, and suburb information. There's suburb profiling that you'd be doing as well. So saying I am the expert in this area and you can do that through advertising and you can do that uh, through content creation as well um, and social proof. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, providing that with uh interviews and and those kinds of things with business owners showcasing that you're a member of that community and an active member of that community perhaps you you know you sponsor certain things within that community so you'd be showcasing some of those um, you know above that then it's also then it's you know what it's like to work with you so that's where those reviews also come in so from that seller side that's that's what you want to be providing that information for is what's it like to work with this specific agent Above that, you'd have that agency brand. So you'd be you'd be really explaining more. What does the agency stand for? What are the missions? What's the values? What are those statements that are there? Um, and how do you how do your agents basically 
show that or live that every day um, in their experiences. So that's bringing in the aggregate information of those reviews of some of those testimonials of some of those experiences and telling the stories that are behind them. And then on top of that, you know, then you're starting to really just get into real, you know, championing your area. And so it's really starting to say, you know, Brisbane's best and here's why. <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry, the Maroons do play tonight, so I have to. Um, <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have to think about then, you know, what what is it that you're really showcasing in that aspect? And so that's that really broad thing. But it's also just kind of staying top of mind with people as well within some of that branding. So that's that profiling piece where you're just going... I'm also an expert in this. Let me teach you just, let me just teach you some things. Here's what it's like to buy a house. Here's what it's, you know, here's the journey, some of the journey parts that you're going to go on. You know, here are some of the biggest questions people have. You know, here's how you actually bid at an auction. And here's, you know, you know, here's some of the differences if you're traveling or if you're coming in from interstate, you know, here's the difference between Victoria real estate and Queensland real estate or New South Wales and Victoria, you know, because there are a lot of differences with their forms, with the, you know, the way it progresses, with who you're going to be dealing with, um, sometimes how quickly the transaction goes through, finances, it's introducing people then as well to people who can start to help them in their journey. So also explaining to them, you know, you think that you want to sell next year and that's fine, but you actually should be starting now with some of the things that you need to be doing. So here, let me help you start to get to that point. And it's interesting because I think a lot of real estate people or professionals in general feel very proprietary about that information. Oh, well, you can't know that unless you specifically want to work with me. But the thing is, nobody knows that they want to work with you. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Until they so, so you're going to keep that secret squirrel information, like as long as you really want, because nobody's ever going to come find you for it. Um, and so that's been part of what I've been trying to do is re-educate people on, you do actually have to let go of some of that information earlier on in the journey than you think it's going to be released and then figure out what other specific things that you can deliver along the way that's going to keep people um, with you and also keeps telling them, this is why I'm different and this is why you want to continue to work with me. Mm, awesome. And now let's hear a word from our sponsors. For almost 16 years, Direct Connect has made moving easy for over 1.2 million renters and homeowners by arranging connections to a wide range of services, from electricity and gas to internet and pay TV. With a national team of local account managers who are experts in the industry, Direct Connect are there to support your real estate business with competitive rewards for every successful connection, plus an industry-leading rewards program. The connection process is simple, and Direct Connect's always-on guarantee ensures your customers will be connected on the day they move in. Direct Connect offers a range of market-leading suppliers and Direct Connect has now made it even easier than ever to send connections directly integrating with MRI Software's property tree. So in just a few clicks while processing a tenancy, you can send the connection details through and get your customers connected. To make the right connection and find out how Direct Connect can make moving easy for you and easy for your customers, visit agents.directconnect.com.au or call one 300 558169. So, so on your on your LinkedIn page, you've got a great quote that there's no strategy anymore. Just uh, there's no digital strategy anymore. Just strategy in a digital world. What does that mean? Like explain that. Well, thankfully, it wasn't me that said that in the first place. Um, it was Bud Cattle, I think, who said that. And um, but the the real big thing and the reason I really liked it is because. I think a lot of times people say, oh, well, here's our strategy and then here's our digital strategy. Right. The thing is, it shouldn't be separated. Those two should not be separated. Digital strategy is going to be part and parcel of what you should be doing as a strategy, as a business strategy moving forward. And you shouldn't be thinking, oh, separate, you know, let's just make a whole like separate part of the company for that or a separate piece of it. It really is incorporating or your strategy should be incorporating digital choices alongside those traditional choices that you may feel more comfortable with. And you should be thinking about if I do this in an offline space, how can I mirror this then? 
in that online space as well. What would be kind of like the same thing um, that I could be doing here? And, you know, that can be, you know, everything from letterbox drops. You know, I tell people you don't expect to get tons of lead generation out of it. Most of the reason that you do it is for profiling. It's for specific area profiling. Well, you can also do that with profiling in the online space using, you know, um, advertising on different channels to do that. And, you know, that will get you the profiling, that digital letterbox drop, basically, that you're looking for. And so, you know, thinking about how you can translate that or um, use that from one space to the other is just an example of that. And that's why digital strategy, it it's kind of almost a misnomer because it's really not like it just should be a strategy with some digital stuff that's in there, you know. Mm. And I think that's the really important piece. Because we, I mean, we look, we are in a digital world now, aren't we? Our, our mobile phones are not the grooviest piece of tech we have. So, and you're looking at tech all the time. What do you think, what is sort of your standard toolkit of tech that agents should be using right now? Um, I think they really, really, really should be really embracing video if they haven't already. And, and I think COVID really um, pushed that issue for people a lot. And I know that doesn't sound super sexy. And I know we've been harping about this for like years, but um, with the ability with your cameras, with people also with your viewers, not going, oh, we expect this whole movie, you know, thing to happen. Um, you know, we're okay with even experiences like Zooms and, 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 you know, something that's been recorded like that. We're used to having, like, I tell people all the time, you know, we're used to having cats butts, like, you know, go across the screen and toddlers scream in the back. And, you know, we're used to that now. And that actually adds a personalization and a familiarity and allows people to even see within homes and see that, you know, people have homes and they they do live in places that aren't just real estate offices, um, you know, or commercial offices and commercial spaces all the time. And so I think video is one of the strongest pieces that people can use for communication. But I think also, um, and, and the thing is, it's really easy to do that. But I think you also need to remember when there's a time and place for the professional side of those videos and when there's a time and place for the less professional side of things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you also incorporate a good mix of that and being able to invest in that. I mean, do they really need to have a huge toolkit? No, not necessarily, because there's companies out there that that will do a lot of that stuff for them. And so if you don't feel comfortable in that technology space um, as such, um, but you at least have come to the realization that it is important to be embracing some of this, then it's time to hire people. And it's time to utilize even people like me because you know, people can bring me on for free to talk to their office through their REA rep. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's using that knowledge and then going, okay, now I can find then the company that's going to help me achieve what it is that I want to achieve. But the first is that realization piece of, oh, actually we're, we're not doing so well in that space. The next step is then, okay, so what is it that we're going to need to do to, to be better in that space? Um, and then from there, they can basically start to make some choices. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the coolest part about real estate in general, is that there's a lot of times a company to fill that space. Mm, it's, it's very true, isn't it? Especially in the marketing space, because marketing was kind of the original place where we started to innovate in real estate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think we should be chasing shiny buttons or should we be looking to solve real problems in our business and how do we differentiate? <laughs> that might have been a slightly loaded question. Tiny <laughs> things, what are you saying? Um, <laughs> it's funny because, yes, I love, 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 love shiny things and you know me, um, we will probably buy the, you know, the, well, I've got an Oculus sitting behind me. <laughs> we will buy. Of course you do. Um, that's shiny. But part of the reason um, I personally invest in a lot of that stuff is so that I can better understand it and then understand whether or not this actually is going to make a difference in a real estate agent's life or not. And if not, especially right now, like it might down the line and that's good to start to understand how that's going to work. But when it comes to digital transformation, it's not the digital part, it's the transformation part that's important, right? 
And, and it's just transforming a piece of your business, either to make it easier, to make it more efficient, to make it faster, to maybe take something off the table that, um, that you don't necessarily want to deal with, whether that could be accounting or whether that could be cold calls or whatever that is. And I think, um, and that's where, you know, it's not the shiny buttons part, is it? It's the, it's the business part. And um, I think one of the things, the strongest things that any real estate business can do is to take a really long, hard look at what they really actually need or want to achieve, whether it's in an online space, whether it's lead generation or profiling or just, you know, some aspect of the business that needs to run better. And then being open then to the people who approach them, um, you know, with whether or not their solution matches the problem that you have, because there's a solution out there for everything. And I think we both know for problems that don't even exist. We've talked yeah. about that before. <laughs> and so it's really making sure that you don't invent another problem in your business for that solution, um, just so that you can say that, oh, I've got this now. Um, Instead, it's really saying what makes sense, not just for my business, but also for the people, the other people who are part of my business, which is, of course, the clients. And, you know, if if it makes things easier or better or faster um, for them, then they're going to reward you by continuing to work with you. And that's um, that's a really important thing. Mm. So so you're I mean, you're originally from the US, obviously. What do you, I noticed, <laughs> um, uh, what are the difference, do you think there are any differences between the way Aussies and US agents have their attitude to tech and to, to transformation? Uh, I think um, in the past, especially, I think United States agents tend to be more open to trying pretty much anything in their business. Um, and so they're just more open to technology and those kinds of changes. And so they kind of tend to accept it more with open arms and then go, um, you know, and then they'll decide later whether or not it actually works or doesn't work in their business. Um, but you know, that, that's that trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing. But part of it is because there are so many agents in the United States in general, finding your specific point of difference is very difficult. And also because you don't get vendor paid advertising most of the time, you have you are investing as much in your own marketing, basically, as you as you are into marketing a specific product. And so the listing. Right. And so you, you know, you're always thinking about what does this do for me? How does this reflect back on me? Whereas here, I think sometimes because there is vendor paid advertising, people feel either and I I'm, I'm, I want to be very cautious about how I pose this, but. I think sometimes people feel like they are confined within um, the parameters of whatever it is that the vendor ultimately um, agrees to when it comes to, you know, the price that they're willing to pay for that marketing. Mm -hmm. And some of that may come from confidence or lack thereof of the agent in presenting it. And some of it, of course, is going to be from the vendor's needs and understandings, um, as well as what their actual ability to invest in that marketing is going to be. And so when you're solely relying on that as your marketing um, or as a majority of your marketing, and then, of course, relying on your principal for some of the profiling aspect of it, um, you're going to have a different attitude towards uh, how technology and how the digital world necessarily fits. And so it's just been trying to better understand and also um, empower agents so that they feel more confident in the tools that are out there. Um, but I also do think in some ways it's good because, um, because of that natural um, reluctance, I think sometimes to embrace everything that's thrown at them, um, then Aussies don't fall into the traps that Americans do a lot of times of just investing in the newest and the shiniest and then losing money along the way on that um, or getting themselves involved in something that they shouldn't necessarily be involved in, right? And, and ceasing to be real estate agents because they're focusing so much on one thing or another thing instead. We're a bit, we're a bit more likely to wait for version 2.1 or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, let's see if this thing's really a thing. This internet. Let's see if it'll take off. Yeah, and I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. Um, no. I think that that you know is actually uh, 
it's not cynicism. It's a it's a maybe skepticism. Um, but I think that that natural skepticism is actually a good thing. Um, and and can prevent some of those things from happening. The the problem the the not the problem the trap that you can fall into though is that you continue to be completely skeptical of everything that's new. So you only rely on the older traditional methods that you've always done. Um, not realizing that as you, you know, as everything ages, right. Um, but consumers, your clients are actually, you know, they're aging up from a different standpoint. They're aging up from different behaviors and patterns in their lives of how they, uh, see information, consume information and understand information. And so you, you should have some, you know, strategies basically in place to make sure that you're capturing and continuing those because that's the lifeline. That's the pipeline that you really want to be tapping into as your real estate journey continues in your business as well. Mm -hmm. So, so in the U S the, um, the big portals like Zillow, they use the lead gen model rather than ad space. And, and there's also a lot of talk about the moving into iBuying. But, but the, the um, market in the US is very different because some um, commissions are a lot higher. There's no vendor paid advertising, as we've talked about. But yeah, um, do you think these, do you think those iBuying and the lead gen models, are they things that we're going to see here in Australia? Well, iBuying already exists in Australia. It's just, it's not really shouted from the rooftops. Um, and part of it, though, is, so. Who's doing it? Oh, there's, um, I'd have to get back to you, which would, it's a company out of, I want to say Melbourne. Um, there's at least one or two, and I've got, I've got the name somewhere. Um, they're a prop tech. Is it, are they a prop tech? Okay. All right. Oh, well, like. If it's you, reach out to us. We'd love to. We'd love to. If it's your business, please contact us. We'll dig you up. I was say I can get you the names after this. I just don't have it like straight in front of me um, right now. Um, but high buying is really also, if you look at where it's really most prevalent in the United States, it's in those lower income areas where it makes most sense to basically um, have those opportunities and and to not take advantage of them per se, but give, give people a, another choice. Um, and what it is, is that choice is, Hey, for less money, but a quicker transaction. And remember like finances in the States, like financial, like you can't close necessarily like in a month, <laughs> like mm. some, some of the bigger banks, even, even if they say they're going to close in two months, don't. So, um, and then all of a sudden you've got that nightmare on your hands as a, as a, as a, as an agent. And so, um, when you're given that certainty of no, we're going to close, we're going to close on, on time, and we're going to close for this amount, that's not going to change. You don't have to go through all that other marketing stuff of people jumping through your house for open for inspections or anything else. And, you know, it's just going to be quick and easy. Sometimes people are just going to choose easy because they don't necessarily want the, the money for the hassle, you know, or they're willing to trade the money for what they perceive as the hassle. Yeah. And I think what's important for any agent to understand whether you're in Australia or anywhere else is just what does that look like? What could that mean? Um, and are you in an area that might, um, you know, especially you'd be looking at regional areas and places or in uh, specific suburbs of, you know, urban areas where that might make more sense for a company to come in and, and own some of those. I mean, the other thing you've got to think about is Airbnb buying up some of these as well, right? Um, now, not so much right now. I don't know how much COVID's affected them, you know, as a company moving forward, but you have to really think about that Airbnb experience. So, you know, are they, are they going to be taking advantage again moving forward or are they not going to be taking advantage moving forward um so zillow too though can't be the same thing that rea is here because we have the multiple list service over there and so because of that people already have you know they have access to some of that information it's just that also zillow has provided a, a user experience that more consumers more 
more people, the average your buyer or your seller on the street wants to deal with versus some of the information and the way it's being presented by agents um, via the multiple list service, which now they're trying to change, of course. As a real estate agent, you know you need to be doing more content marketing, but creating posts for social media, creating videos and reports is hard work, lots of hard work, and it takes time. So that's why you need Homeprezzo. If you're a typical agent posting one or two social media posts a week, Homeprezzo can save you between 75 to 100 hours a year. How many more properties could you sell with if you had that time back? Homeprezzo can help you create engaging, informative videos about how the property market in your local suburb is performing. Plus it makes creating suburb reports, rental videos for landlords and social media infographics an absolute piece of cake. If you can type in a suburb, or type an address, you can create a Prezzo using Home Prezzo in just a few minutes. Listeners to the PropTech podcast receive a 14-day free trial. Now that's twice as long as the normal free trial. So go to homeprezzo.com.au and click the sign up button and use the code PropTech to get your extended free trial or click the link in our show notes. Tell me, tell me about lead buying. Do you think? <laughs> well, it is. It, lead buying has been a huge. There's been a surge of lead generation businesses um, over the last sort of four or five years. Let's sort of just explore that a little bit. What are your thoughts in that space? Yeah. So lead generation models in general. Um, what I think is interesting is that it can work for some people if you know they don't feel confident in that lead generation space. However, it is um, that you know that they don't understand how that that again fun, another funnel um, how that works. Um, whether or not they don't understand how specific platforms work, and remember those platforms are continuously changing their rules in the background. So Google's and the Facebooks and all of those, you know, they keep moving the cheese. Um, because they don't want you to fully understand it because they wanna keep making money off of people. Um, But then you've also got to think about, it's not just the quality of the lead that comes through, but whether or not you're doing it because you need a sale yesterday or whether it's because you just want to grow your actual business and grow your pipeline. And when you do that, when you actually bring the leads in, but then have things set into place so that you can actually keep nurturing and moving those people along. That's what's really important. And I think that's where, you know, you can have as many lead generation models out there as you want. And I think there will always be at least some agents or agencies or businesses that appreciate them or want to include them in their toolbox. And that's absolutely fine. I think As long as you also then have in place that lead nurturing structure that's there as well, so that you actually don't look at them as leads anymore, but you actually see them as people. And when you look at them as people, somebody with a need, somebody who may not have that need right now, but will have a need down the line, that's when that starts to be more beneficial and you have can't just look at your ROI as like, well, you know, we invested in it for a month or two months and nothing happened. You know, you need to look at your own behaviors and also your own structure and systems that you have put into place on how you're dealing with those and handling those. Yeah. So use them to complement how you're nurturing leads generally in your business. Don't rely on them for for your bread and butter, I guess. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, because I think the bread and butter really is um, still referrals, right? And it's going to yeah. be fear of influence and it's going to be people that you already know or who have worked with you who are going to be providing that information for you. Um, that's why reviews, r- ratings, testimonials, all of those things are strong. Um, and that's why leveraging those in on your platforms and your content is really important. Um, you know, whether you decide to put some money behind them or not, that's up to you. But, you know, I mean, but it's um, if you're trying to grow, whether it's as, you know, as an individual or, you know, a specific business or an agency, um, especially if you're new to an area or something like that, then, you know, that's okay. But as long as you put that resource aside so that they, they're going to be continuously talked to and nurtured and feeling loved along the way to whatever place it is. And so you understand that you can't just all dump them into one database and send them all the same kind of material that you send every single other person on your database, which Mm. is pretty much what happens. Or ring them and say, would you like to sell your house? (laughs) Make that the opener. (laughs) 
maybe not so much. Maybe that will scare, scare a lot of them off. <laughs> I've had some fun conversations with agents this COVID. <laughs> now, Tara, if you were if you were setting up a prop tech, what's your advice to prop techs? Because you've been a mentor in uh, in uh, in Reach in the past. What what are the key things that prop techs? Uh, or what's your key pieces of advice that you give to to prop techs starting out? First is being able to communicate what you do to the average person. It's all well and good to have your elevator pitch for VCs and things like that, but <laughs> but the average person who's going to be at some point the people buying your product and showing that you're actually you know a viable product um, or a viable company. Uh, you need to be able to put that into plain language and you need yeah. to be able to explain it very quickly, especially in that real estate space. If you're a real estate prop tech, because um, agents have, you know, less than a goldfish for like memory span and attention span. So really capturing their imagination is really important. Storytelling, I think, is really important. Taking them on the journey with you, but doing it very carefully. I think identifying to real estate, I mean, Real estate also has influencers, really. Um, if you can get a few successful people or agencies that can back your product and will talk about your product, um, that really opens the door down the way for a number of other agencies or agents because either they'll see you, them using your product and you go, ooh, hmm. Or you can use them, of course, as, as your case studies and say, you know, here, here are the people who are successfully using this in their business and here's how they're doing it. And the beauty is then that gives you the sounding board too, is keeping those open uh, lines of communication between you and those people so that you are listening to some of the changes and being able to um, change that product as well, um, where it may actually go in a different direction than you ever imagined it to, or maybe it'll have features that you never thought it would have. You wouldn't know anything about this, Kylie. Um. <laughs> no, never heard of it. <laughs> Nothing um, like a good pivot. <laughs> Let's pivot again. Um, but you have to be willing to do that and willing to adapt. And, you know, there's obviously certain times that you're going to hold firm on some things, but sometimes where, you know, if you've got a lot of people who are saying, look, I'd love this product if it had this, and you've got 10, then 20, 30 people telling you, you might want to revisit that. <laughs> like, yeah. that sounds like something should go on the roadmap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I think those those things are really important for prop techs. Um, and just, you know, really being open. And also, I think um, it's interesting because I've talked to people who, you know, prop techs who work in parking garages and things. And it was exploring, well, how would that work? And then the real estate space, is this something that makes sense in a real estate space or doesn't make sense? And, and you know, it does, doesn't in residential per se, but it might for commercial or for developer. And so, oh, okay, so let's explore then that aspect of it. Um, so also, you might think that you might fit just into one aspect of, a, of an industry, but you may actually find if you start to kind of expand your ideas or your view of things that there might actually be some other applications that that may, um, you know, hold better. And I think too, with the world getting smaller as every single day is also thinking about, well, this doesn't necessarily fit within the traditional real estate or whatever industry um, in this country, but it very well could fit better into an industry, you know, across the water. And whether that's Asia or Europe or, you know, the North America or South America, you know, that's also understanding or being open to that. So really kind of understanding that wider worldview, I think, is really important. Mm. Do you, what are the, what sort of technology do you think agents need? Like what need next? What, I mean, is there any like, do we still need any more listing websites? I think they should understand what the heck they've got. For... <laughs> We're holding a moratorium on any new development while people get their brains around what's going on right now. Contact management system when you're not using the features of the current contact management system, you know, and don't tell me that you need to offshore something that you don't even understand yourself. Like, um, I think it's really... I, some of the most successful agencies I've seen, especially over here in the States as well, are the 
are the ones that are run by people who have been participants in different parts of the business. So, you know, they worked on the, the admin desk for a while and they also, you know, worked as a salesperson and they worked, you know, so they've done all these different kinds, they've done the marketing side of things, they've done this part of thing. And I think that's really important so that you do understand better, especially from that business head aspect, um, then what components you know, either could be replaced or do you, do we need to maybe help them understand better? And the thing is, look, you will teach them over, and I speak from experience, you will teach them over and over and over again, the same thing over and over again. And then you'll bring in different people to tell them the same thing that you've told them about a hundred times, but maybe in a different accent or, you know, from a different perspective. And the thing is, You've just got to know, well, what, when do you feel like you finally may cut through? Is it 20% adoption rate? Is it 30% adoption rate? Is it 50% adoption rate? Like, where do you think that then you can move on to start to expand that toolbox? Um, because before you start seeking out the newest thing that's out there, you really should be focusing on what you've already got in place right now that people already feel somewhat comfortable with before you start throwing new things at them. Because they're only going to start to accepting the new things if you're able to really say, nope, this is going to make your job easier or faster or give you more time with your family or do whatever it is. And that's when you know, they're going to start to try to give it a chance because otherwise, you know, they're going to say, well, we already have a CRM. Why do we need another CRM? Mm. <laughs> like, mm. Yeah. You know. But I don't like that CRM. I like the old one. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that lovely old one where we had triplicate and we had to press really hard on the <laughs> three copies. Press here, sign. <laughs> sign here, press hard. <laughs> Cool. So what so what do you think is coming up next in in PropTech? What's your what's your crystal ball? Five years. Like what's what's gonna happen to us over the next five years? Next week anymore. <laughs> the same as this week? <laughs> Just I don't know. Um, you know, it's interesting because you were kind enough to ask me this before I joined you, and and I couldn't begin to tell you, honestly, because I'm I'm, I know that they're, you know, they're really focusing more on how you can make things more believable and achievable in the online space, whether that's through augmented reality or virtual reality. I think it's getting smarter. I think it's getting faster with 5G being introduced. Um, you know, so information is going to be passing a lot faster and machine learning is going to get a lot better. Um, and it's going to become scarier in a lot of times because either there's going to be deep fakes that people aren't going to be able to tell whether or not you're talking to a real human or a robot um, or a computer. Um, and some of that will be to our benefit and some of that will be to our detriment. And, you know, <laughs> and we will keep the politics out of it, but, you know, elections aside, I think even just in in any industry or professional industry, you have to think about, well, um, if we aren't spending 20% of our time doing this, what does that free us up to do instead? And how are we going to then use that? Are we going to use that to fulfill our personal life more? Because we're seeing more people during COVID kind of really working on that balance a lot more, I think, and, and really possibly appreciating some of that personal time as well as that work time. For some, it's going to be um, that, hey, you know, I can achieve more in four hours a day than I used to in eight hours a day. Do I necessarily need to fill up that other four hours a day with more work or should I be doing something else with that? Can I be expanding into other hobbies or into other personal interests that are out there? Um, so I think that there's going to be more, uh, unless, of course, we have, you know, something serious that either takes down the net or, you know, electromagnetic warfare or storms or whatever that's out there, because there's always the chance of that. And I read a lot of dystopian fiction, so that helps a lot. <laughs> Doesn't so make always, paranoid much at all. No, it's always sitting in the back of the brain. Um, <laughs> could happen. Um, but I think it's, you know, if you think about, I think, though, people are becoming from at least what I've seen, people are becoming more picky about what they consume and how they consume it. And so unless you are providing that personalized, individualized, tailored, 
experience for people, whether it's in a communication or an ad or content that you're putting out there, just that kind of spray and pray that you might have done before and it worked isn't necessarily going to be working anymore because people are being trained by companies that have a lot more money um, to expect that experience, whether it's tailored feed on Facebook or, you know, tailored search when you go to Google um, to, you know, just to having that experience in real life as well. So, you know, people gathering that information, that data, and then being able to transform people's experiences for that. And so I think that that's what I see really happening more and more is um, it's people's expectations are going to be there for that people's um, and on the flip side, though, I do think that there will be some backlash as well to that online world and that online space, and that they will see it as a necessary tool for certain things, but then they will go to other offline experiences for other things. So I think there will be a subsect of groups that will also do that as well, that will just say, I'm tired. I don't want to be on Zoom anymore. I don't want to look at another email. I don't want another meeting. I'm just done with the online space. I'm turning all of these things, these electronic things off, and I'm going to go do something in the offline space. And as marketers and advertisers, that's a scary thing because that's a harder to measure once they're not trackable. So again, then it's going to be, how do we start to gather that information, track that information? Um, so yeah. I don't know if that it would be no no that would be it, it would be fascinating. It's like well then we're going to have billboards in the woods, aren't we? <laughs> well, I but the thing is but maybe instead you've got like things that are on trees that you know have um, maps that are built into them instead, you know, digital maps that are built into them and they're interactive and you can say, I want to take this trail. And it like actually lights up little like arrows for you as you're going up the, the way, you know? I mean who knows? But I mean, I could see that happening at some point because that's kind of what people expect. They want to be take, they want to be led, right? Mm. And I mean, there's definitely the adventurers out there that are like, please leave my woods alone and trust me, I'm with you. It's okay. But you know, there's also the people who just want to be handheld through the whole experience, mm. whether that's buying real estate or whether that's going for a walk in the woods. And they want to be very certain about what choices they're making while they're out there. And so technology can provide that. Um, and, and they will expect it because they're going to be provided it in other spaces by other companies, by other experiences. And so they're going to want that experience all the time, no matter where they are. That sounds like a fantastic note to finish up on. Um, Tara Christensen, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful to talk to you and to start to pull apart these issues around digital marketing and prop tech and where they all interact. Yes, I think it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> nerding out it's been enjoyable for me <laughs> so yeah so thank you so much so that was my very dear friend tara christensen from realestate.com.au talking about digital marketing and how it is so much more than just property listings now i know that realestate.com.au cops a lot of flack in the industry for being so big and omnipresent but I am impressed at the level of help and support they provide agents in this space by making the services of, of experts like Tara available to coach and advise agents on the broader digital landscape. Tara's expertise is in analysing your digital marketing strategy and providing advice on how to get started or to amplify what you're doing. And it's available as a resource for residential, commercial and developer customers of realestate.com.au. If you're interested in learning more, reach out to your REA account manager and set up an appointment with Tara. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode of the PropTech podcast, I would love you to tell your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn or our Facebook page. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor and Apple iTunes. I'd like to thank my audio support, Charlie Hollands and the fabulous Jill Escudero and our sponsors, Smidge Wines, proud to be the official wine of Australian PropTech, Direct Connect, making moving connections easy and Home Prezzo, now part of ActivePipe, and turning your data into amazing marketing content. Check out the new Market Insights pages. They are awesome. Thanks, everyone. Until next week, stay safe and keep on prop-teching. <laughs>